Welcome to the Conversations with Jesus podcast. I'm Johnny Lehman, a baptized man of God who has the amazing blessings of being a husband, father, and the pastor at Divine Savior Church in West Palm Beach, Florida. This podcast is designed to bring you the self-sacrificing love of Jesus found in the Bible through 15 to 20 minute episodes that focus on relevant life issues and what God has to say about them. Check out our website, DivineSaviorChurch.com, as well as our Facebook and Instagram pages if you would like to find out more about the incredible things that God is doing through our church family. Have you ever thought about the fact that what you love most in life will shape how you live your life? There are a lot of different definitions for love out there, whether love is toleration or love is acceptance. How you define love often defines who you are, why you're here, what your life is about. And that's why I'm so excited today and this week to talk about what God's definition of love is. And there's no better person to help us understand what God's love is than the disciple John. John, who throughout his gospel, he never calls himself by his name. He simply wants to be known as the disciple whom Jesus loved. What you're going to discover through God's word today is that's the greatest identity ever. To simply be known as a disciple whom Jesus loves, there's no greater life than that. And I cannot wait to dive into 1 John chapter 4 verses 7 through 12 with you this week. Back when I started my freshman year of high school, I had a serious problem. I had no idea how to be cool. I knew almost no one on campus. I didn't know how I was going to fit in, but no matter what, I knew I had to find a way to be hip. So I kid you not, one Friday night, a couple weeks into the year, I sat down for hours brainstorming how I could become cool. And I came up with my coolness strategy. I would be the guy who knew all the new songs and the deeper meanings behind them. Impressive, right? In all seriousness, my lameness continues to grow even now. Which, to be fair, when you have the last name Layman, it's really easy to make that lame man. So I pretty much had this uphill climb from the start. But ever since then, I'll occasionally turn on the hit station just to stay quote-unquote hip with the times, as the young people would say. And I was listening to 100.7 when the song Flowers by Miley Cyrus came on. And it dawned on me that this song really captures how many people in South Florida and across our country, across the world, view love. She's singing about a relationship ending, and this is how she plans on moving on. She sings, I didn't want to fight, started to cry, But then I remembered I can buy myself flowers, write my name in the sand, talk to myself for hours, say things you don't understand. I can take myself dancing. I can hold my own hand. Yeah, I can love me better than you can. It got me thinking, do we have some Miley Cyrus in all of us when it comes to love? Is our love more giving for self than giving of self? Without realizing it, do we see our different loves as the gods of our life, the things that are driving us every day? 
This pursuit of love is directly connected to how we view ourselves and how we view our legacy. Love is not an abstract thing. It always involves actions. And the disciple John knew this personally. He knew how desperately we need to know what love truly is. So here's our God question for this week. What do you love most? Now again, this isn't just an abstract intellectual question. I want us to do a self-diagnosis. I've heard it said that the order of our priorities or our loves is reflected by our schedules. So I want you to think about the week ahead of you, even the day ahead of you. If you use a digital calendar of some kind and you're not on the road, feel free to take it out, look at your phone, check it out. What are the things that pop off that page? What events give you a strong emotional reaction? Can you see a pattern of priorities? Love always involves prioritization. When we love something or someone, our schedules reflect that because there must be an order of loves. You can't simultaneously put multiple things in that first position. So be real with yourself. What's in that top spot for you? For the longest time, John's schedule, the disciple John, his schedule revolved around a love for power. A few weeks back, maybe you remember this, we talked about his brother James. Now the two of them were called the Sons of Thunder. They were bulls in China shops and their lives revolved around what was their number one love, a love that they thought could give them everything they hoped for. They had some Miley Cyrus in them too, thinking they could love themselves better than anyone. And they were convinced that political power, economic prosperity, and or influencer status were the tickets to a legacy of immortality. Because when you love something, you act on it. And what you love will define you and how you're remembered. So as you look at your priorities, your personal order of loves, which ones are trying to take God off the throne of your heart? There's a reason, there is a reason why God made sure that the very first commandment he gave us was, you shall have no other gods. This is a commandment totally about love. Because a God, quote unquote, doesn't always have a proper name. A lowercase God, quote unquote, can be that thing, that individual that comes first in your schedule, that keeps you up at night. And these various loves all vie for that top spot in your life. And every love, contrary to popular opinion, has a cost. Let's say you land the career you always hope for, but it means less time for family, less time for friends, less time for working out, less time with God and with your church family. Or let's say you land your dream school. It, it honestly saddens me when I'm talking with teens about all the pressure that's on them every single day. This idea that's so prevalent that to be successful in your life, you have to have as many AP classes as possible, get into that top tier school, and the amount of sacrifices given for that is insane. I mean, same thing with youth sports, how now it's not for the love of the game, but for future glory, future potential glory. Because not only do we have a lot of loves, and we set an order of those loves, each love has a cost. But each love defines how we view ourselves, and even more so, how we know God. Because when something other than Jesus lands that top spot, we come apart quickly. This happened to me very vividly throughout my life, but especially in high school. So I finished middle school with a pretty impeccable dating track record that I, in that I never, perfectly never went on a date. 
<laughs> never held a girl's hand. And then in high school, my perfect streak continued of never dating a girl or holding her hand until finally junior year of high school, I met this amazing girl named Abby, who is now my wife, the only girl I have ever dated in my life. But fun fact, when we first started dating a 16-year-old, she became my number one priority. I wanted to be with her 24-7. Just imagine the clingiest guy in a romantic comedy. You know the guy who gets dumped quickly? That was me. Not once, not twice, but three times. Yes, my wife Abby and I broke up three times the first year we dated. And as I look back on it, it really came down to my clinginess. My love priority list was off. And it not only affected our relationship, it affected every aspect of my life. Again, think of your love priorities. We will never truly love each other, have a close connection to God, the God of love, unless we get this. And that's what John is getting at when he writes, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The only way to know God is to know his definition of love. But here's the rub. Because of the anti-love that lives in us called sin, the kind of love that only cares about giving for self and not giving of self, we don't see God as love. But so often, we see our loves as God. But real love is not about giving myself what I want. Real love is about the God who gave himself. So we can know love himself, Jesus. And John got to witness that love firsthand. In fact, he wanted to be defined only by God's love. Did you catch that? So in church, we talked about John chapter 19, verses 25 through 27. You know, when John is standing at the foot of the cross, he's looking at Jesus. Jesus' mom, Mary, is next to him. And it's really cool. Throughout John's gospel and in John 19, he doesn't call himself John. He doesn't write his name into the story, but he calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. He longed to be known simply as a guy Jesus gave his self-giving, self-sacrificing, entirely selfless love to. So what changed in John's life? How did he go from seeking his loves first to wanting to be defined only by the rock-solid truth that he was loved by Jesus? I think you know already. Love isn't some abstract concept to God a mere Hallmark card sentimentality, or a clingy obsession. Love is all about the cross. The Christian God is not just a talking God. He's an acting God, a doing God, a serving God. He's the God who suffered the worst pain ever felt. And yet, and yet, even then, even as he was going through the pain of being abandoned by God, the very condition of hell, even in that, he was thinking about how he could love his mom and how he would save you. You know, I so often meet hurting people who are wondering, does anyone love me? People who have been abused, abandoned, betrayed, lied to, mistreated, deeply wounded. And maybe this is you right now, where you can barely ask the questions, but you still do. Does anyone love me? Will I ever be loved as I need to be loved? 
Because behind our order of love, standing in the shadows of the sacrifices we make for what we love most, there always remains a child. Reaching out their hands, hoping for a love that will never disappoint, a love that will never fail, a love that will never leave. Only Jesus has that love for you. He's the only one. A kind of love that never fails. He didn't just think it or say it. He demonstrated it. I mean, look at what John tells us here. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. I think it's so neat how John, he didn't want us to miss this. He doesn't want you to miss this. Twice in these short, this short section of the Bible, he tells us that God sent his son Jesus so we can know love at its realest. That we can know the true definition of love. What is it? God is love. Not love is God, but our self-sacrificing God is the very creator of love. And think about God's priority list, who he loves most. One of our confirmation kids asked me a deep question last week. They asked, why did God make people in the first place? Was he lonely? Our God wasn't lonely. The Father, Son, and Spirit have a perfect connection, a perfectly satisfying relationship, our three-in-one God. And maybe at first it might hurt to think that God didn't make us because he needed us. But think of this. Would you rather be needed or want it? Would you rather be a necessity or luxury? The reality is God chose to make you who you are. He chose to love you, not because he had to, but because he wanted to. Your heavenly father loves you so much that he was willing to send his own son into the territory of anti-love, filled with people consumed by hatred, and because you were his number one priority, and you still are, he sacrificed everything. So you can know him as he longs for you to know him. Your God who loves you with an everlasting love. Because God put you first. He gave you rebirth. A re-identification through baptism. You know what love is. Love is not satisfying your desires. It's not earning a claim. It's not earning a legacy. It's standing at the foot of the cross and seeing the Savior who loves you. And in that way, you and I, by faith, we long to be known as nothing more than a disciple whom Jesus loved. In fact, maybe this is morbid, but I, I was thinking this week how neat it would be if on my gravestone someday it said, Johnny Layman or Jonathan Layman, a disciple whom Jesus loved. I, I mean, is there a greater identity than that to be entirely defined by how much God loves you? That's what John is pointing us to when he says he sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Because remember, what or who we love ends up defining us. John says this, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And when John says we ought to love, this is not you must love, otherwise God won't love you. This is, wow, God loves me. I cannot help but want my life to be defined by his love as I go and love others. Because when God is your number one love, when God's love defines you, you are willing to sacrifice everything. Because you've already been given more than everything by God's self-giving love. 
And that love is what's always set Christians apart. A couple hundred years after John wrote these words in 1 John 4, Christians were in a tough spot, as we always have been. They were looked down, especially looked down upon in the Roman Empire. They were facing hardship for their faith. And do you know how they were defined? Well, a Christian named Tertullian, who is back 150, 200 AD, he noted how non-believers would see Christians. You know how they would, what they would say, how they would categorize Christians then? They'd say, see how they love one another? These ancestors of ours knew the intentional love of God that saved them. And by grace, they lived through Jesus and their love for him and for all people was clear. That's how God has chosen to be seen. Through our love for him that extends to all people. It's true, no one has ever seen God in his full glory this side of eternity. But he has seen through us. He walked among us, yes, not revealing that full glory because it would have blown us away. But now he still walks among us through you and me. How amazing it will be to see him in his full glory one day in heaven. So let's look at our God question again. What do you love most? You know. And this week, as you think about how Jesus arranged his entire plan and schedule for the world to make sure you personally would never doubt that you're fully known, fully forgiven, and fully loved by him, that joy cannot, but, cannot help but boldly put God first. So let me ask you this. What would change in your life if the very first thing you scheduled was reading your Bible in the morning? or watching a video devotion, or listening to this sermon podcast? What if you looked at your schedule and said, okay, how can I love others this week? After you have your time established with God, then the next step, okay, how can I love my family? How, how can I love my friends, my coworkers? What if your life was defined by your love for Jesus? How would it change your family life if you got to gather around the love-filled words of the Bible? There's only one way to find out. And again, remember, why do we desire this love? Well, as the disciple whom Jesus loved once wrote, we love, why? Because he first loved us. Amen. My prayers are with you as you live in the identity Jesus has won for you, this identity completely encapsulated by God's love, God's richest blessings as you live for him now and the rest of your life.